we bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down. Got that big space pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. AEW Unrestricted. The official podcast of All Elite Wrestling, Aubrey Edwards and Will Washington here chatting with you about all the exciting things that are happening at AEW with exciting talent at AEW. Will, how are you doing today? I'm doing so great. We're just a little bit into the start of 2024. We're a month in. Yeah, I, I feel like there's so much exciting stuff that's already happened, but so much exciting stuff on the horizon. And like we're approaching the the end of Sting's career, dude. Like this was something that you know when we learned about this at, at back in the fall, it was like, oh, we still got time, right? Like Revolution so far off, but now it's like right around the corner. No, we don't. I know. Yeah, we we got like a month <laughs> to go, and it's hard to believe that this is it. That we're vastly approaching the end of Sting's career, and we're vastly approaching Revolution. Greensboro is going to be uh, a hot time. Normally we do, this sounds like kind of weird, but like we do a lot of pay-per-views now. So like I kind of only get into the pay-per-view mindset maybe like two, three weeks out. But like I have been all about revolution since this sting announcement happened. And we've had multiple pay-per-views since then. So it's like, what the hell, man? Like I'm so excited about revolution. It's going to be in Greensboro in one of the biggest arenas that we've done, the Greensboro Coliseum. It's nearly sold out. It's insane. I'm so, so excited. There's the Young Bucks. There's like all this crazy shit happening. I'm so excited. Please, revolution, revolution. (laughs) And I am very pleased to welcome this guest she just recently made her debut in AEW and recently just found out what the difference between a debut and an arrival is. <laughs> it's the one and only Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna, thank you for being here on AEW Unrestricted. Thanks for having me. Okay, I need to know what's the difference between a debut and an arrival because I don't know either. <laughs> All right, no, so it's official terminology. A debut represents your first in-ring appearance as in uh, once you've competed in action. An arrival okay. is... When you've stepped into the arena, uh, you've arrived on the scene, you know. So, for example, what happened with Deanna and Mariah May, that was Deanna's arrival in AEW. But her debut in AEW was her match with Red Velvet. And so those are two distinct terms that we very much use when putting the show together. And and you got to do both in a very short amount of time. What was that like? Yeah, um, I feel like the last two, two and a half weeks have just been crazy, but in such a good way. You know, like I am just ha- trying to learn like a new system, how to be on the road, you know, every week. This is something I've not ever done. So I'm just trying to like adjust and like figure out my sleep schedule and a packing schedule. And also like, when do I see my husband and my dogs and those <laughs> kinds of things. So, <laughs> but it's been great. And it's um, honestly, it was a dream come true to be able to debut or um, I'm sorry, arrive. Arrive. <laughs> <laughs> In New York with my family and all the things. It was really just more than I could have ever imagined. I want to talk about that night specifically. Yeah. So yeah, of course, it was the first Dynamite of 2024. Uh, we were in the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. You surprised the world uh, arriving in AEW. Let's talk about, one, how difficult was it to keep that a surprise? Who, who exactly knew about that? Honestly, it was not very difficult because it was so last minute. I got a phone call to, would, would you come to Newark on Tuesday night? 
So I only had like 24 hours to keep a secret. That's not hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only people that knew were my husband because he was going to come with me. My dad and my stepmom and my in-laws who were going to come to the show. Britt Baker, obviously, Chelsea Green, my two best friends. And I didn't tell anyone else. Yeah, you and I had talked the night before, mostly about getting your theme music together. That was everything that we we kind of connected you with Mikey Ruckus. And it was like, okay, let's let's get this together. Let's make sure that this is something that is befitting of the virtuosa. You know, honestly, I if I remember correctly, you didn't even get to hear it until that day, until Wednesday. Yeah, at like, you know, four or five o'clock. <laughs> and we made some small tweaks and it was just like, I, I don't even know what, what it's going to sound like in an arena. I don't know like at what queue do I enter? Like nothing. It was all just such a whirlwind of, of those 24 hours that everything happened last minute. I love that it's like uh, winging it, the AEW story. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's so much stuff that we're just like, hey, let's just do it. <laughs> it. It was very much one of those things where, yeah, even from a creative standpoint, you want to play it as close to the chest as possible. Yeah, a lot of those things can can happen in a way where very few people, including people involved, are told. And so it was such a great moment. And the crowd, the crowd gave you so much in that moment. Tell me about that feeling. You know, after the fact, I I realized that I've never even like had a promo segment or anything like that in front of that amount of people. (laughs) So that was a first for me. And I, I feel like I'm a very emotional person, particularly for wrestling, not for very much else in my life, but for wrestling, I've wanted to do this since I was a little kid. So everything is like, this is a dream come true. And to be in, and and when I talked to Tony Khan, I was like, I don't know if you know, but I'm from New Jersey. The first dynamite of the new year is in New Jersey. And, and I'm just throwing this out there that that's a dream come true. So yeah, it was just like a whirlwind of emotions. And then I get the crowd reacts and I'm like, oh God, okay, that was good. They know it's me. They're excited for me. Good. And then I get in the ring and my dad and all my parents, but my dad specifically was front row at the hard cam. And I see his big head, literally the first thing I see when I get in the ring. And I'm like, don't, don't, you can't cry in the ring, Diana. It's going to promo in two seconds. So that really got me. And I was so thankful that as soon as Renee started to speak, the crowd chanted my name because it just gave me a second to like recollect myself and not literally be crying on the microphone. <laughs> My my favorite part of that is like you you're at the Prudential Center, which is this huge building with thousands of people. But then as soon as you see one person, you know, it's just all of a sudden like, <gasps> oh, yeah. my God, I, I like you just freeze up or like get really nervous. Like it doesn't matter before that <laughs> moment. But the moment you see someone, you know, you're just like, oh, God, this is terrifying. But like you totally nailed it. Oh, thank it you. was incredible. Thank you. Mariah May has this match. You come in like totally badass, just like, hey, I'm here. I'm coming after Tony. Like, this is just an incredible moment. And I'm really happy you're here because I have loved watching your career. Like, we worked a little bit, I think, in 2018. I didn't get a chance to really, like, work with you too much. And I'm super excited to get to work with you. Yay, selfishly. I am too. But, like, you've been killing it over at Impact slash TNA, whatever they are now. You were three-time Impact Knockout Champion. You were the Impact Knockouts uh, world tag team champion, among other things. Like we'll we'll talk about all this. Like you've had an incredible run so far. So 
what's sort of been the biggest difference? I know, I know you mentioned travel, like when you're going to see your dogs and husband, but what have you noticed so far has been the biggest difference coming to AEW? I really just think it's the, the scale of the company. You know, at Impact, it was Impact when I was there. It's officially TNA now, but I don't want to say it's a skeleton crew, but it is. Everyone has, has multiple jobs. We're in smaller venues. There's smaller crowds. You know, if I need to fix my travel, there's one person who does that. If I need comp tickets for my family, there's one person who does that. And I think just adjusting to not knowing who is in what department and who to go to for whatever question I have. And, and just the scale of the production here at AEW has been such the difference for me. Yeah, no, I, I actually, you know, thinking about that, I can imagine that is almost a, a tad bit daunting because, you know, prior to Impact, of course, you were also in WWE. You were in NXT for a number of years and uh, you had a brief main roster run, but it wasn't necessarily because during the pandemic, right? Yes. You didn't necessarily get the, the crowd scale per se. You, mm-hmm. It was still all at the performance center. So it was almost not much of a move at all, right? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was weird because it was like, am I being called up? Am I not being called up? Like, no one kind of knew. I would just, like, get a flight to Raw and then not not go for another three weeks and then get another flight to Raw. So at that point, especially being in, primarily in the Performance Center for the whole two years I was there, and just, like, little live events that have a couple hundred people, like, this is really, like I said, the first time that I'm going out there and there's thousands of people in the crowd consistently you know again just to for them to recognize me and especially being the first item of the new year there's been so many talks about free agents and who it could have been and just for them to be like it's Deanna and be as excited as they were kind of was like the cherry on top of like okay this is all paid off they know who I am we're good you know almost to peel back the curtain a little bit I'm not going to name any names because that part doesn't matter. But I will say amongst (laughs) some individuals backstage, there was honest debate over whether or not uh, the AEW fan base was going to know Deanna Perrazzo and how we should go about introducing you. And the thing we ultimately settled on was that we know the AEW fan is smart. And we're going to trust that in this particular moment, they're going to know and they're going to react well. And it's, it's nice to have your trust rewarded in those moments where uh, we left it up to the fans, they heard your music, they saw your name come up, and they they popped huge. They gave you the chant as you were in the ring. Um, they chanted New Jersey. Like it, it was a good moment. It was a great moment for you. I thought I was so happy for you in that, and Thank I, I love that that trust of the AEW fan came through. Yeah, absolutely. But it also speaks to somewhat of the memory of the AEW fan because this was not your first time performing. For AEW. Nope. No. You also wrestled in the main event of Dynamite in 2022 when you took on Mercedes Martinez for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship to the uh, officially, uh, because at that point we had an interim uh, Ring of Mm -hmm. Honor Women's World Champion due to you having prior commitments at, what was that, Supercard of Honor um, that that weekend uh, when the, uh, so at that point we had to crown the lineal champion. Uh, You were the lineal champion at that point. That had to be settled, but you did get to wrestle in the main event of AEW Dynamite at one point. This was almost like a coming full circle for you in a way, wasn't it? In so many ways. Of course, you know, having that experience in wrestling Mercedes in the main event, um, there's only been a handful of women who have main evented. And I get to say that I did that before I was even employed to the company. So that is like 
uh, you know, something I'm going to have to pull out at some point and remind these girls. <laughs> I like that little <laughs> wink right there. <laughs> that I was great. Like <laughs> I was supposed to be um, in 2018. I was supposed to wrestle at All In. I pulled out to go to NXT, so I didn't get to do that. I didn't get to do the Jericho Cruise, the first one in 2018, because I went to NXT. So I feel like being able to like do these things and live in these moments, is it's all full circle, because there were so many opportunities that I chose not to do for a different opportunity that now I'm getting to, to redo my past, and it feels really cool. You had mentioned that all of this happened really quick. Yeah. When was your first conversation with Tony Khan about coming to AEW? I spoke to Tony the beginning of December. Him and I were able to finally like connect and get on a Zoom call and talk. And we had only talked once and then we kind of went through like the whole legal process and the contract signing and things like that. And then I hadn't seen him until I got there Wednesday and was about to go out. Wow. That guy. <laughs> and he's really excited. And he's like, let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great because that's uh, it, it was nice to see for a change the rumor mill not fully get their hands on it. The closest we got was I saw a story come out the day of your arrival that said that AEW had talked to Deanna. And I thought, oh, my God, we're way past talking. This is uh, this is. Yeah. And honestly, like that, I think that aided to the fact of like, OK, the audience was really excited for this. Mm -hmm. But then also like to go online after the fact and just see like all my friends that I didn't get to tell uh -huh. and and you know, the fans who, who were genuinely surprised, just like, it was very overwhelming, the amount of like love that I got from it, you know, just because Tony and I hadn't spoken since that initial conversation, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, I didn't hear anything until Tuesday night. So as you know, Tuesdays, go, Monday happened, Tuesday happened. And I'm like, Oh, no one said anything. Like, it's probably not going to happen. The rumor mills going around. And I'm kind of like, Oh, like, don't be upset. You know, the contract is signed. So I will debut at some point. But like, don't be upset if you don't get to do this in Newark. You know, it's okay. So then when I when I got that phone call, Sanjay Duck called me and I was like, oh my God, yes, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> I got off the phone, I started crying. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm doing it, it's real, it's happening. So just the fact, fact that like the entire world was surprised. I was genuinely surprised, but the entire world was, was really, really rewarding. It's super great, not only when you can surprise wrestling fans, but when you surprise people in wrestling, because we like to think that we know everything and like we don't, yeah. but to see good people doing cool things that make them happy, that make your company happy, like it's super Thank awesome. You. This is great. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> this has been an Me awesome too. conversation with Diana Perrazzo. We've got so much coming up here on AEW Unrestricted. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. AEW Unrestricted, Aubrey and Will talking to one of the latest signees at AEW, one of the amazing additions to the women's roster, Gianna Perrazzo. She's done so much in wrestling, and I'm so happy she's here, and she's going to bring all of her talents to help us and make our women's roster like even, even that much stronger and more exciting, and I'm super, super dope, super, super excited. I don't even know how words work anymore. That's how excited I am. <laughs> 
I want to talk a little bit about your first match since we talked about the difference between arrival and debut. So you have your arrival in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Shortly after, you have a couple weeks and then literally you're on collision facing Red Velvet. So what was that like and how was it different to sort of have your arrival versus your debut? I feel like when it comes to being in the ring and doing the wrestling, I have like no worries whatsoever. So going into collision, I I felt just like normal. I was like, hey, I got this. Like the wrestling for me is, I don't need to stress about that. What was going to be different and it ended up not, we didn't have any commercial breaks in our match, but that's what I was most worried about. I haven't had like a live TV wrestling match since that match with Mercedes (laughs) with commercial breaks or anything like that. So I was like, if we get like a picture in picture or something like that, how do I do that? That was what I was worried about. The like back end stuff, but the actual wrestling, the getting in the ring and, and wrestling, that was like, I got that. It's amazing to think about the parts that um, because you've had such a storied career already up until this point, the stuff that you still haven't necessarily gotten to do. These are things that are, aren't even occurring to me. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I was actually glad to see you guys get that single segment match. I know that, People have different feelings about them, but I think as far as giving somebody the ability to showcase themselves to the world without kind of any interruption, I think is is really great. And I think that for you guys to get that entire time, that entire segment with just the two of you um, without that interruption, I think was really important. And I think it was really important in establishing who you are to the audience. And yeah, I felt like Red Velvet was the, almost the perfect opponent for that. I, I really loved oh, the line so. that you had dropped on Dynamite prior, asking her about her stirring <laughs> arm. I thought that was excellent. I thought, that was, I thought that was really good. Uh, honestly, just genuinely watching it back, I was like, ah, I see where this is going. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really interesting because I feel like you know, obviously, Tony Storm is, is such a outrageous character. You know, I'm trying to realize that this is a new audience for me. And there is a lot of people in the AW fan base who might not know who the Virtuosa is. So how do I take these these little lines and kind of implant them and plant some seeds in Easter egg? And you know what I mean? If I don't have a uh, opportunity to be like, the literal definition of the virtuosa is blah, 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 then I need to find ways to just like insert little things and, and kind of then when you get the you get the arm bar at the end of the match, it's like, oh, you're rewarded now. You paid attention. You get it. <laughs> but let's talk after this because I think there is a way to actually <laughs> do that and do a literal <laughs> definition of virtuous in a cool, creative way. We're gonna talk. Yeah, <laughs> I like Will's. Like, okay, how do I build this into the format? Like, Mister Creative on this podcast. Like, trying yeah, I'm to like, literally, I'm like, no, I think there's a way to yeah. do that. Like, oh, I trust you. Yeah, <laughs> I trust you too. It's funny though because I feel like I've spent not so much the last few years because I I think when I debuted at Impact, they did a really good job of explaining what the virtuoso was. But I think that's just like an insecurity I have is like, it's this real, it's a unique word. And unless you kind of know, you don't know. And I spent a lot of time in NXT trying to explain and and get people to understand the possibilities of what a virtuoso could be. So I think for me, it's really important to, yeah, be like there, it is an actual word and there is a literal definition. However, we can interpret it many different ways. (laughs) And again, um, I think getting established in front of the AEW audience is, is, 
truly important for this stage of, of one's career. And it really feels like there's a lot of excitement around the fans yeah. who don't know you to get to know you and the fans that already did know you to, to basically be like, oh, just wait till you see what she's capable of. I, I, I love that. I love when that happens. And it's always exciting for that to happen in the women's division and to see more opportunities for that to take place. Absolutely. Let's talk about the, the run and impact, yes. which actually began in 2020. That was such an interesting period, even for AEW, for, for people to have to, for people who are making that transition between companies, but essentially you're doing it in front of no fans. Did you find that to be kind of a good opportunity, though, to rebuild? Yeah. And, and, and I think, like I said, I think Impact did a really great job. Of, like, we had um, two or three vignettes we had put together to introduce this new character that was coming in. But then I was also in a weird, like, personal space and professional space that I didn't even know, like, do I, do I love wrestling anymore? Do I want to keep wrestling? Like, okay, I'm going to try this impact thing, but let's just like, I don't know, like, let's just feel it out and see if it works out for both of us. Cause I just wasn't sure what my next moves should be in my life. Right. And so I think to kind of not have that pressure, I felt pressure because I had been very outspoken about my time in NXT and the things that I thought I could bring to the table. So there was like, pressure to bring those things to the table but I think having no fans and also being able to like re-record things or redo things and um, we were just afforded a lot of luxury not having an audience and I think I really got to capitalize on having that no pressure like I don't like that let's redo it and really put my best foot forward. You had such an incredible run at impact for those three years as we mentioned three-time knockout champion but one of the things that I really love, and we, we had talked about you main eventing Dynamite, you also main evented a pay-per-view, uh, Hard to Kill 2022. You had a match with Mickey James in a Texas death match. So kind of kind of a big yeah. deal already, <laughs> but then also main event. Why a Texas death match and what was that like putting it together? I think they just wanted to do a Texas death match because we were in Dallas, Texas. Uh, yeah, it works. <laughs> I don't think there was any other rhyme or reason to it. But Mickey and I had told such an incredible and intense story up until that point. You know, we did uh, a big brawl on her farm and things like that leading up to this match. I attacked her at various other pay-per-views. I think we needed something that was that intense and that when you hear Texas death match, you're like, oh, crap. Who's bleeding? That's just intense in <laughs> itself. But, you know, I am I pride myself in being a technical wrestler. I like to do the grappling and the mat wrestling and to have weapons and then to have that translate, I think, was the most difficult part for me. On top of we're the first ever knockouts pay-per-view main event for the knockouts world championship. I was emotional all day about it and trying not to think like, oh, this is the first time ever and I get to be a part of it. I'm in the ring with Mickey James. It's the first Texas death match for the women. Like there was just a lot of stakes to that. And, um, you know, it's one of my favorite matches because because of all of that. It's always fun when it's like you have something big going on and then you've got like the full glam makeup and someone starts talking to you about how proud they are. And you're like, please stop talking to me. Like, <laughs> I, stop. like oh, my God, like, please, please just shut up. I need to do this thing and I can't cry right now. Like, I really just need to plan a match. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, Deanna, not only with the, the rules of the Texas death match and AEW being different, but in AEW, they're not just limited to Texas. We did two in California <laughs> last year and one in That's true. Grand Rapids, Michigan. So. Texas death could happen anywhere. I mean, I need my head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. But yeah, the, you and Mickey James really had what would be considered one of the more storied rivalries in the history of the knockouts division, really. 
talk about her as as a rival, as as somebody who's been kind of that important piece of your your entire career. Yeah, I, I think that Mickey's just like a living legend. And so she comes in and there's an immediate reaction. Everybody knows who she is. She's such a such a baby face, right? And you just love her. And so I think where I was at that point was I had kind of run through our knockout submission. I wrestled everybody. I beat everybody. I felt like the virtuosa was kind of this like evil queen. No one could dethrone at that point. And we really needed a character like Mickey James to come in and kind of burst my bubble. That's really what we got to do. And we got to see a different side of me where I had to like up the intensity and up the aggression and up the hatred that when we finally you know, met at Mickey um, defeated me for the knockouts world championship at bound for glory in October, 2021. And then going into that match, it was like, now I have everything to lose, you know, and I had never been in, in jeopardy like that yet an impact. So I think to work with Mickey and just like pick her brain and learn from someone who has had some of the most storied storylines in women's wrestling period was really an incredible learning experience for me, but then also to like add that to my resume and the things that I've accomplished alongside her was really, really awesome. So on that topic, because I know Binky's had a storied career, as you mentioned, we've got a ton of women at AEW. Is there anyone in particular that you're interested in wrestling? Oh, well, all of them, all of them. <laughs> but I feel like Soraya, first and foremost, just because again, such a storied career, such a comeback story. And now we're seeing a different side of her, you know, not kind of being in that, like I'm back and I'm wrestling and I shouldn't have been. And just to kind of see her little dark side has been really cool. There's so many women in our, in our AW women's division that I've never been in the ring with. So it's going to be fun to like get in there with all of them. Right now I'm calling out Tony Storm. And Tony and I have a very long history together. She was one of my best friends for a very long time. Um, we've lived together. We've traveled together. We've done all that. So on the flip side of that, it's been really cool to, to see people like Tony, who I haven't been around in a really long time, and just kind of be welcomed back a little bit. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, that time of your career. Going back even further, talking about stardom. You know, why was it important for you to go to Japan and wrestle for stardom? As a kid growing up wanting to be a wrestler, a lot of my wrestling education came from like the books that the wrestlers would write at the time. And everyone always talked about what, you know, like a wrestler's wrestler went to Japan. That was kind of like a rite of passage. So for me, I think from a young age, it was like, that's something I, I want to do. If I want to be a successful women's wrestler and change women's wrestling, Japan needs to be a stop on my list. I was really fortunate to go the first time for three months and live with Tony Storm, live with Zoe Lucas, live with a couple of the girls that are now in WWE and, um, you know, make lifelong friendships, but then also learn a different style. And honestly, it was something that I struggled to adapt with at first, like just the difference of like American wrestling versus Japanese wrestling. But then to get to go back and kind of do it again and, and do it a little bit better the second time was was even more fulfilling, I think. It's it's funny how we always have those things where we're like, oh, this is the thing that I need to do. And then you do it. And it's like, OK, well, what's the next thing you're going to do? Because 2018, like you had barely scratched the surface at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I felt like I had worked for WWE so much at that point. I had worked for TNA so much at that point. I had worked for Ring of Honor so much at that point that it was like none of these places are signing me to a contract. So like what else do I have to do? Chelsea Green actually was the one who set me up with the opportunity to go to stardom for the first time. And I was like, I will come for as long as you need. Like, you tell me what you need from me and I will do that because I think this is what's going to propel me to the next level. 
What a great attitude. I love that so much. We've, we are talking to Deanna Prazo here on AEW Unrestricted, the virtuosa with Will and Aubrey. Much more coming up. AEW Unrestricted. It's Aubrey, it's Will, but most importantly, it is our guest, Deanna Perrazzo, and we are talking about kind of all things, talking about the arrival in AEW, talking about uh, the past and impact. We talked about stardom, um, but I, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, you mentioned you grew up a pro wrestling fan. You, you mentioned this is something you always wanted to do, something you always wanted to be. What were some of your inspirations growing up? Who were the wrestlers that you looked to? What, what was your fandom like? As a kid, I loved Tristratus. I loved to love her and loved to hate her. Her story with Mickey, obviously, Lita was one of my favorites. But then also, it, it's really funny. Chris Jericho was one of my favorites, and I, him and I, got to share that the other day. Oh yeah, you just recently did talk as Jericho. Yes, and at the end of it, he's like, "So, what's your favorite match?" And I'm like, "Actually, it's yours." And he was like, "Well, I was asking of yours." And I'm like, "This, this is really awkward." <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I really loved, and I, I still do, like, just when I need some inspiration, I always go back and, like, watch, like, the Cruiserweights and and, and um, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko and that type of style really inspired me. So you had trained in New Jersey with Damian Adams. Uh, how did you end up finding this wrestling school? Because I know everyone has, like, different stories of how they ended up wherever they ended up. Yeah, I um, I was going to community college, and I just drove a different way. <laughs> And, you know, obviously I had always wanted to be a wrestler and there was one wrestling school, you know, while I was growing up that would take students at 16. And I begged my parents and printed out the paperwork. Like, I just, I'll get a job, then I'll get a car, then I could take myself. Like I had it all figured out and they were like, no. So <laughs> I was going to community college and I, yeah, I just drove a different way. And there was a big sign at like a VFW hall that said, you know, pro wrestling the first Friday of every month. And I was like, oh, I had never been to an independent wrestling show maybe i'll just want to go check out the show what's independent wrestling have you know that's different from wwe and then when i googled it they had a wrestling school and i'm like okay well i'm going to wrestling school now and i went the next week and signed up you know you mentioned your parents giving you the no on that one talk about what their (laughs) how their evolution everybody has that story uh but what was their evolution like going from that no to sitting front row (laughs) At the Prudential, Prudential Center. Center. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, my dad never really got it, I don't think. Um, he wasn't a wrestling fan or never told me he was. And, you know, in the early 2000s, women's wrestling was totally different. So I think what he envisioned me doing wasn't what a dad would maybe envision their daughter doing. And so yeah. he just wasn't about it. And my mom, who, who was always supportive of everything I wanted to do, was just like, if that's what you want to do at 18 and you could figure that out for yourself, then I will support you 100%. But like, I'm not sending you into the lion's den as a kid at 16 with so many other things going on in my life. You need to wait. But if that's what you want to do, then one day you can do that. My mom had been to so many independent shows. She'd been to a ton of impact shows, but there was one moment that my dad finally got it. And I made I made him come to um, Hammerstein Ballroom for a Ring of Honor show. And he has a coworker who's a really big wrestling fan. And he was like, could Mike come to the show? And I said, the only way I'll get Mike a ticket is if you come with him. You're done dodging me. You're coming to the show too. (laughs) He walked in 
And I'm really glad this was his first experience because, you know, Hammerstein is, is huge, right? At that time with the Bullet Club and, you know, the elite, the whole audience was covered in Bullet Club shirts. And um, he just kind of like looked around like, oh, I get it. And I had wrestled. And then I went and I got like popcorn and drinks. And I went and sat with him and his friend for the rest of the show um, in the back. And he was like, Cody Rhodes was wrestling. And he was like, you didn't tell me you knew Cody Rhodes. That's Dusty Rhodes' stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I did not know that you knew Dusty Rhodes was. And we just had this really cool bonding experience of like, oh, you do know a little bit about wrestling. And you maybe pretended you didn't. And then after, so fast forward now, I make my debut. There's my dad. I'm hysterical crying. <laughs> when they came to the back, he had said to me, like, I think I'm a wrestling fan now. <laughs> what other place can you go to and you could cheer and you could boo and you could say nasty things about people and everyone else in the audience is doing it and you're not being judged. Like, he had the time of his life at Prudential Center. And there's only been a few times I've seen my dad so happy and so, like, just, just like, free and loose and excited and my wedding day was one of them. And Prudential <laughs> Center, Newark, January 3rd, 2024 was the other time. <laughs> those those are two good ones. I mean, if you're going to put them on the same scale, that's, that's pretty great. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, debut, arrival in hometown in front of your family versus wedding. Yeah. Those, those can be tied. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> They're up there. I had said the other day, like, the best day of my life, Steve, my husband was like, Oh, your debut was the best day of your life? And I'm like, what? Well, the second best. <laughs> they're different. They're very different. It's like... For different reasons, they're the best. Right. It's like you, you can't really compare them. They're kind of the same thing, even though your wedding was like all wrestlers. <laughs> it's like it's still yeah. very different. He should get it. He should understand. Like <laughs> He does. He does. He he bust my chops, but he gets there it. There we go. Uh, you had mentioned briefly Hammerstein Ballroom, ROH. You were a big, big part in sort of getting the women's division uh, such a focal point at ROH. You had at one point, I think it was uh, July 2015, you and Mandy, first ROH match in nearly 10 years. Yeah. What was it like to sort of be a part of this phase of Ring of Honor, being a part of the Women of Honor? I feel like in hindsight, I kind of didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I was, as a kid, I was a WWE fan. I, I really didn't know that there was other wrestling out there, you know, until I kind of got into wrestling that I was like, oh, you could, you could go to Ring of Honor. That's realistic. You could go to TNA. That is a really great opportunity. I kind of didn't know these things as a kid planning my career. You know, I was like, I'm going to WWE and that's that. And so to kind of learn as I was going and, and capitalize on all these other opportunities, I don't think I knew the gravity of them. And uh, Mandy and I had just become friends through an extra as a rosebud at WWE. And she was like, hey, you know, I, I'm really pushing to start this women's division at Ring of Honor. Like, would you like to be a part of it? And I was just kind of like, okay, that sounds cool. <laughs> like, sure. Um, and I got to go quite a few times down to the Ring of Honor Dojo, which was just outside of Philadelphia at the time, I used to just like go down and train. And Mandy and I just had this hope of like, if we could put a really great match together and train together and show them that like, we have something between us, maybe Delirious will give us a match on the pre-show. And um, that July 2015 was the first time. I wanted to ask you about something you said and kind of bring it back around. You mentioned uh, community college and that you kind of kept driving. But 
you brought yourself back around to it in 2020. You went back to college and you got yourself a bachelor's degree in history. Yeah. So I, I very much wanted to ask you about the decision to go back and and specifically going after that degree. I think post NXT, I like I said, was just in this weird like I, I kind of don't like myself and I don't like wrestling right now and I don't know I need to figure out something for me you know and and wrestling was always for me but I think like when you get into wrestling or or anything you're like this is my dream you never realize the the things that go on behind that you know there's so much that happens to get us through the curtain to do the wrestling and I just love the wrestling you know I don't try to be outgoing in the locker room and be a leader and you know what I mean like I've, I've been all of those things but it's just happenstance like I'm like I like I'm here for the wrestling right I'm not here for anything else and I think the toll that the rest of the stuff took on me wasn't for me going back to school was like I think I might just need to be a normal person and, and not wrestle for a long time which didn't end up happening but it was something for me it was something for my soul to be like I can put the wrestling aside and focus my energy on something that has nothing to do with wrestling. I can just completely transform into like a little historian and do my research and do my homework, which I'd love to do and not be tied to any, anything that has to do with wrestling. So it was just kind of like for my soul to like center myself a little bit. That's, that's awesome. Is there any particular like time in history that you like studied or is it more of like a general, I, I don't know how a history degree works. My, my background's in computer science. I'm like, yeah. tell me everything. <laughs> no, that's okay. So I have just like a general bachelor's in history. My favorite time period is kind of like World War II and then like JFK presidency into the Cold War. So if I was to go for a master's, which I'm thinking about doing, um, that's when I would need to pick like an area. Like, do I want to do American history? Do I want to do military history? But I actually wrote my thesis, like my capstone to get my degree on um, presidential nuclear rhetoric of the Cold War. Ooh. So that's kind of my favorite. You're a nerd. I love it. <laughs> I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great. And again, that, uh, just knowing that um, you got to do that for yourself and got to almost refine yourself, I think. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but that has that. Do you feel like that's made you essentially have a better centering on pro wrestling as a whole, like where it now stands in your life and how you operate. Do, do you feel like you got that out of that college experience? Absolutely. I think that, you know, for was eight years at that point, it was just like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. I did this. What's next? I did this. What's next? And it, that was exhausting. I think that being able to have outside interests, going to school or having my dogs or my husband and the things that we like to do together as, as in our relationship, I think um, just having those things that aren't wrestling has been the most helpful to fall back in love with wrestling because I'm not stressed about it 24 seven. I'm not thinking about it 24 seven. I can say like, I'm going to go do cardio and watch wrestling or, okay, let's go to the ring on Tuesday and train. And then I can come home and shut it off. And I wasn't able to do that for a really long time. And it just ate away at, at my mental health, at my physical health, all the things. Um, so now I feel the most successful, the most confident, the most happiest I've ever been in my career, in my personal life, in my in every aspect of it. It's it's crazy. I literally just had this same conversation with someone backstage. I won't share who because it'll totally break kayfabe. But we were talking about how critical it is to have an interest outside of wrestling for the sake of making wrestling 
better for yourself. Being able to turn it off and focus because it's like you're literally rolling around in your underwear. We take it very, very seriously. And there's all these emotional ups and downs, both with your storytelling that's happening in the ring, your travel, your day-to-day at the show. There's all of these moments that we forget that we're humans with complex interests and behaviors. And sometimes we need to just shut off that part of our brain and stop thinking about it. And it just makes everything better. It makes your schoolwork better. It makes your relationship better. It makes your background as a wrestler better. It's just so, so great. So I'm really glad that you made that decision for yourself. That's really awesome. Thank you. So fun, stupid stuff. I heard you're a big fan of the chicken strips at Wawa. (laughs) That's my segue. (laughs) Yes, I am. So for me, I had no idea Wawa existed until I started doing tryouts at WWE. Like, do they have Wawa in the Northeast? Um, there's a few. They're popping up more where I'm from, like in North Jersey, but primarily like down the shore, South Jersey. Gotcha, gotcha. I just needed to know. Thank you for that. I was going <laughs> to say, the last time I had Wawa, I think, was in the Northeast. I'm pretty sure it was, God, I very visually picturing the hotel and picturing a conversation I had with Justin Roberts while I was trying to covertly hide my Wawa pizza because I was ashamed that that was what I was eating at that time of night. Um, (laughs) Sometimes you got it, man. Yeah. Sometimes the only thing open is like fast food. So that's it. It was Philly, Philadelphia. Yeah. I guess I got to try the chicken strips uh, at the recommendation of the Virtuosa. Yes. And if you're not like, trying to be super healthy, you can get a bowl with the chicken strips and the mac and cheese. And that is, oh, that's good. Look, look, <laughs> now Will's <laughs> eyes are wide. Like, I know this is like, ev- face to wide, wide. this is like everything I would like have to hide from my personal trainer, but like everything that I genuinely <laughs> want. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's one of those like, oh yeah, I eat really healthy and I bring all my food. And then like catering puts out these awesome vegan desserts and I'm like, oh, no one needs to know. No one yeah, needs to know about this delicious put it, thing. Like, <laughs> yes. AEW catering has been that literally Wednesdays are my biggest setback in terms of everything else Dude. I do throughout the week. I can get myself feeling good. And then Wednesday rolls around and then I look around and I'm like, oh, they have gushers. And uh, <laughs> I'm so happy that I'm allergic to things because I can't have any of the sweets. So. Oh man, that's that's great. Yeah, that's good good for you cuz one of the hardest things to get used to at AEW is not just like eating your weight and delicious food and catering. Portion <laughs> yeah. control. It's very hard on the road. <laughs> super super hard. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining us, Diana. This was awesome and I'm so so happy you're here. This is great. Our division just grows even stronger day by day. Diana's one of those awesome people. I'm so excited for the AEW fan base to get to see her in the ring. We don't see a lot of women technical wrestlers. So it's super, super exciting to just see that breadth of knowledge that's going to just be added. It's going to make everyone better. All of these styles clashing. Yes, it's so good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. This is AEW Unrestricted. You can listen to new episodes every Thursday on all of your favorite podcast platforms. We got the video episodes coming out on Mondays. After that, uh, on the AEW podcast channel, you got Dynamite Wednesday, you got Rampage Friday, you got Collision on Saturday, you got ROH on Thursday. We're nearly every day of the week. There's so much wrestling. You can watch this awesome gal, Deanna, now as much as you want. It's incredible. I am Aubrey Edwards with my co host, Will Washington. Thank you so much for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We're going to turn it up, up, bring the house.
Pump and make them bounce now. Flossing like they crossing and the freaks are coming out now. 